It's easy in the moment when we are facing such great changes for us to declare what we're going to do. It's easy to say, this is what I'm going to do, but it's only through our determination that you and I are actually going to see change really happen. We began last week talking on this whole aspect of life swap, that each and every one of us have some areas of our life that we need swapped. We need them to be different. They're, they, it may be in a spiritual nature. Maybe it's something about your walk with God that is not what it needs to be, and so uh, you're needing to see that swap. Maybe it's about your physical body, or maybe it's a part of your life with your family or your business or whatever it is, but that all of us, whether spirit, soul, or body, that we are dealing with something that needs to change. But we've got to not just think about it. We've not just got to come to that place where we say, you know what, I think it would be a good idea. We genuinely have to get involved in the process. And so we began last week in the book of Ruth. So would you take your Bibles, go back to the eighth book of the Bible, the book of Ruth. And as you're doing that, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm excited that you're joining with us today. I'm thankful for what God is doing in each and every location of Love and Truth Church. And I pray today that as we go into the word of the Lord, that you will receive exactly what you need for your life so that you can become everything that God wants you to be. Now, we're talking about this aspect of life swap. Now, here, last week we talked on the aspect of that it's an inside job. How many of you know it would be just wonderful if somebody else could make your life wonderful? And some of you married somebody thinking that. I'm not going there. I'll just keep moving, all right? But what we found out last week talking to us about out of the book of Ruth is, is that really it's an inside job. It starts inside of us before we ever are going to see real change, real life swap happen. Now today I want to talk on this subject. I want to talk to you today about whatever it takes. Would you say that with me? Whatever it takes. Come on, let's say it one more time. Whatever it takes. Now that's what we're going to be talking about today. Here's what I have found out. By changing nothing, nothing changes. You know, they say that the definition of, of insanity is continuing to do the same thing, expecting a different result. You, you know, you've, you've got to make some changes. If you really want to see the kingdom of God come in your life or, or you want to see your marriage becoming everything that God wants it to be or you want to see your children achieving uh, in every aspect of their life or, or maybe you've got a business that you've started and you want to see it moving and doing great things, I promise you that you are going to have to do some things. You're going to have to come to that place that says, you know what, I will do whatever it takes to see this change in my life. And when you begin to study the book of Ruth, you, you find that Ruth in the first chapter uh, makes this great declaration to Naomi, her mother-in-law. She says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. And she said, wherever you're going to be buried, so will I. And she basically said, and if I don't do these things, then God strike me dead. Now, how many of you know that's a pretty... Great declaration. But all of a sudden now in the second chapter of the book of Ruth, we find that she has left everything she is familiar with. She has left her homeland. She has left all of her family members. She's left all of her friends. And she's even left a religion that she had grown up with in the land of Moab. And now she is in the land of Israel. And her whole life is filled with fear and anxiety. It's kind of like, how many of you remember the first day you took your child to school? 
You remember that? That, that occasion, you get them and, and you're all excited and they're all excited, but the closer you get to school, the quieter it gets. Right? I mean, they, you've talked about it for days. You may have even taken a tour of the kindergarten class or, or the preschool or wherever it is, but, but it's, it's one thing when it's theory. It's another thing within just a few minutes it's going to become a reality. And, and the closer you get there, uh, the quieter it gets in the car. And sometimes uh, the quietness turns into weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. I don't want to go to school. Well, you got to go to school. I don't want to go to school. You know, the, the whole thing. And the reason is, you know, within a few days, a few weeks, they're fine. They jump out of the car. They run up the steps. They're happy. But it's just that whole deal of dealing with the unknown. It's that whole thing about fear and anxiety that's in their lives. I want to tell you, even if there's some fear, even if there's some anxiety about what's in the future, you have got to make up in your mind that I am going to do whatever it takes to see my life move in everything that God has for me. I refuse to allow the circumstances, I refuse to allow things around me that I do not understand or that I don't know. I am not going to let them stop me from moving into what God has for my life. So here's what we're going to do today. I'm going to tell you three things that you need to focus on in your life. We're going to look there in the, in the second chapter, and then I'm going to talk about what that focus brings into your life once you're willing to do that, okay? So take your Bible or your iPad or whatever it is that you've got the Bible on and go to the book of Ruth, the second chapter, and let's begin there in the second chapter and the second verse. It says, so Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And Naomi said, and she said to her, go my daughter. Now, here's the first thing you've got to focus on, and don't miss this. You've got to focus on what you can change. Now, I'll, I'll go real slow here. Focus on what you can change. Have you ever heard people talking about all the things that are wrong that they can't change? Man, you know, the economy's messed up and the world's in a mess and all this stuff. I mean, I, I've gone to church sometimes, and it sounded like the only thing that the preacher could talk about were things that they couldn't change. I mean, they preach about how that darkness is upon the, the church and how things are horrible and it's, it's so bad and, and what we just need to do is we just need to come together and let's all hold hands and, and pray for Jesus to come. Well, that's one way to approach life or what we might could do is just challenge all of our members, all the people who are part of the church, hey, why don't you just make a difference in the person's house that's next door to yours? Why don't you share Jesus with somebody you work with? Why? Why? Because all of a sudden, you've, you've got to focus on what you can change. Now, Ruth in this story, they've gotten back to Israel. Here's, here's the whole deal. Uh, Naomi had gone to Moab because that Israel was in a mess. And now uh, she's heard that there's bread back in the house of Israel. And so she goes back expecting there to be all of this bread, all this stuff. But when she gets there, she finds out just because there's bread in the land doesn't mean there's bread in your house, right? Just because somebody next door to you tells you good news does not mean that you've got good news. And so what's happened is, is that they've gotten there, but there are two widows. You know, there's, there's a, a young widow and an older widow. Uh, you know, we, we could just start a new TV program and call it Two Broke Widows. <laughs> 
Sorry. Be because that's who it is. It's, it's two broke widows. They don't have anything. They are destitute, and now they're back in Israel, but that doesn't help them any. And so what, what they could have done, they could have sat together and said, man, if somebody would just come along and help us out. If we could just find someone who would take care of us. If, if you know, if, if the government would just step in. If Oh, man, I shouldn't go there, should I? If, if, you know, if, if this person would just come, if that would just happen. But instead, what Ruth does is, Ruth focuses on what she can change. I mean, here's what she said. She said, let me go out and let me go to where they have already harvested the field. But she said, when I get there, maybe there's some loose grain laying around on the ground. And I can just pick that up and I can bring it home. And we can at least grind that in the mill and we can have a little bit to eat. See, as long as you're focused on what you can't change, it will keep you from pursuing what you can change. As, as long as you're looking at the, the huge things, the things that, that are insurmountable in your life, you're never going to find those things that you have the ability to bring change in. And our problem is, is that we always see the huge, we always see the big, we always see the, the, the great things that are against us instead of seeing that which we are able to defeat. Uh, it, it reminds me of the story of David and Saul and Goliath. The Word of God says that Goliath, the big giant, nine-foot-tall giant, had been for days defying the children of Israel. And the Scripture says uh, that even Saul and all his men, the Bible said about Saul, said Saul stood head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. That means Saul was probably seven, seven, six. I mean, he was a big, tall guy. And the Bible says he stands head and shoulders above all the men of Israel. And yet, when, when David gets there to see this great battle, what he finds is, is a bunch of babies hiding out in their tent. And they're all going, did you see the size of Goliath? Did you see the size of that giant? Did you see the size of this? Do you know not one time does David ever call him a giant? The best thing that David calls him is an uncircumcised Philistine. And that is not a blessing. All right? And, and, and everybody is saying, oh, see how big he is? He's, he's so huge, he'll kill us. And, and David just looks at him and says, man, he is massive. But he said, that makes it better because he's so big, I can't miss. See, it's, it's all your perspective. Am I willing to enter in to this place? Ruth says, look, I can't do a, a maybe what somebody else can do, but what is it that I can do that I can bring change about? And she sets out to do that. Would you look in verse 3 as we continue? Verse 3 says, Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, after those who had come before. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now that's going to be important a little bit later. All right, here's the second thing that you've got to do, is that you have got to focus on action, not results. Focus on action, not results. Too many people look at the results. Well, I want to have a wonderful family. Well, that's great, but you've got to put some action into it. I want to have a great walk with God. I want to be a, a mighty man or a mighty woman for God. Well, that's good, but you've got to take some action. You've got to do some things to get there. Here's, here's what I found out about life. Life is every moment. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll go real slow here because I don't want you to miss it. Life is every moment. See, there are so many people who are worried about the destination that they miss life. They have what I call destination disease. 
Well, if I, if I can have this, if I can get there, if I... No, no, no. Listen, life is every moment. It's just enjoying. It's not about the destination. It's about enjoying what's happening. And, and here's what I found out. If life is, a, is, a, is just about the moment, then you are where you are and you are what you are by the choices you made in the moment. That momentary decision. Right now, the, the decisions you make this moment in this time that we gather together on a Sunday, when you make whatever decisions you make in that moment determines what your life is going to be. And a lot of us don't understand that. We're always looking for something huge and something wonderful and something marvelous instead of understanding that life is happening. While you're trying to get somewhere, life is passing you by. And so what she did was she focused on action. She said, I don't know what the results are going to be, but here's what I can do. I can go out there and I can glean a little bit. I can pick up what the others have missed and I can take those home and I can eat it and my mother-in-law can eat it and we'll be okay. She's not worried about all the stuff. She's not worried about starting a business baking bread. She's not worried about how she's going to get enough employees to sell the bread. She's not worried about how she's going to franchise in every city in Israel. She's just doing something. You ever been around people who talk a good game? I mean, they're always talking about what they're going to do. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. One of these days. One of these, why don't we just get involved? Why don't we just start doing something? It's interesting, and in even in a church setting, how that, how that people can, can do what I call Monday morning quarterbacking. How many of you know that there are no perfect churches? And, and let me just help you. If you find one, don't go. Because you'll mess it up. Right? Come on, there's, there's no perfect churches. There's no perfect pastors. There's no perfect leaders. And yet what we have a lot of times is people sitting back and saying, well, if, if I were in charge, I'd do this. If I taught the third graders, I'd do that. If, if I were in charge of the youth, I'd do that. If I were, and, and, and we're doing all that. And, and my deal is, is hey, hey, what, why don't you just get involved and help? I know I shouldn't pastor on Sunday morning. See, it's, a, it's about the action it's not about the results. It's about just doing something. The Bible says, whatever your hands find to do, do it. Just, just go ahead and, you know, Nike didn't come up with that. Just do it. Just get involved in what it is that you can do because that is going to change your life if you'll bring a focus on what you're able to do, on the action that you're able to do instead of worrying about the results. The third thing is found in verse 7. We'll skip down a few verses. Verse 7 says, And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the, among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little while in the house. Now this is a, a report to Boaz about Ruth, what she's been doing. That she came and she said, I, I just want to glean uh, after the reapers. Here's the third thing you've got to do. And this one I think we miss so often. Okay? You've got to focus on the smallest let me ask you a question how many of you here and how many of you watching have ever set a goal for something in life 
and you did not achieve it. Would you hold your hand up? I would think that's 100%. Right? Now let me ask the next question. How many of you at some point of your life, you've set some kind of goal and you have reached it? Again, it looks like 100%. Now here's, here's what I know. Is that the reason that we fail in a lot of goals in life is not because we don't have a desire to see them come to pass, but they're way too big. See, if you haven't been reading your Bible on a consistent basis, for you to say, I'm going to read the Bible through this year is probably too big of a goal. What you ought to do is say, how many of you remember back in the day, I, I, I can remember this in Africa, I still remember on, in the middle of our kitchen table, we had this little box and it had these cards in it and on the side of it, I think it said something like daily bread. I, anybody remember those? Okay, some of you are as old as I am. And what it was is, is that you'd pull one out and just randomly pull it out and it had a scripture on it. And you would read the scripture and you'd put it back in there. I can remember that from, from a, being a child. And, and what I was thinking is, you know, I thought, wow, wouldn't it be great? I would be thrilled if I thought every person who attends a Love and Truth Church is reading one scripture a day. Now, I know that blows some of your mind. You go, oh, bless God, they ought to be reading the whole Bible. I understand. But we're going to focus on the smallest. I mean, if, if I really thought that, and, and I, I can tell even some of our pastoral staffs going, well, pastor, you ought to set the bar a little bit higher. You know what? If you focus on the smallest, you'll get to the greatest. If you can start doing that faithfully, then you can read a chapter a day. Then you read two or three chapters a day. And before you know it, you can get the whole Bible in a year's time. See, if you haven't been praying at all, it's really great to go to a service where somebody preaches about prayer and you say, man, I'm going to start praying an hour a day. But you're probably not. Maybe you ought to set a goal of 10 minutes a day and just say, Lord, I'm going to set this aside daily. Why? Because we make the goals way too great. And because we've made them so great, we find ourselves suffering and we find ourselves not receiving what we need. See, when, when we don't, focus or excuse me when we don't understand that if we make a goal so big that we fail we really don't understand the intricacies of that and here's the reason the reason is is that you only have so many units in life all right you have let's let's just for a rough idea here let's say you have 10 units in a day so five of those units are used at work three of those units are used for your family one of those units is used to sleep. That means you've only got one unit left. Now, if you set a goal, you know, you said, you know what, I, I think I need to get my body in shape, and I heard that there's going to be a triathlon uh, in the middle of May. Now, I've never exercised. <laughs> Come on, you know where I'm going. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compete in this triathlon. Well, the problem is it's going to take all 10 units a day for you to get your body in the shape to do that by May, all right? And so what's going to happen is you're going to fail. 
because you've got to do all these other things. It's, it's kind of like I found this out in church years ago, and, and that is in a service. Again, we'll use the, the unit 10. Uh, within a service, there's only so many units that people bring. How, how many of you, don't raise your hand because I don't want you to, to do this, but, but how many of you have ever, just, just give me a good nod here if I'm right. How many of you have ever been to a church service and, and the praise and worship went like an hour, hour and a half? Right? And then the preacher got up to preach. Right? Come on, y'all. And then he, he totally chastises the people the entire time he's preaching because they're not getting with him. Well, they can't get with him because they used up all their units in praise and worship and then some. All right? And, and, and so we've, we've found out that, look, I, I, you got to leave me something on the table when I get up here. I, I mean, I literally believe God could show up and smoke and vapor in some services and everybody just go, well, okay. Because we've just, you know, we, we've taken everything ever, that people have. So here's the deal. In your life, if you're going to make some changes, if you're going to bring some things to pass in your life, you have to focus on the smallest, and then you get a handle on that, and you focus on the next thing. And before you know it, you will begin to see that great idea or that great thing happen in your family or in your marriage or in your spiritual walk with God or maybe your business. But it all comes about because you have understood of what you have to focus on. Now, if we will do those three things, then focus produces some things in our life. And I want to talk about that uh, over the next few minutes. Here, here's what I found. How, how many of you have ever, ever had a pair of binoculars in trying to see something? Ever done that? How many of you know that until you focus those binoculars, it doesn't matter what they're telling you is out there. You know, I've been on safari in Africa, and they'll say, there's a wildebeest out there, or there's a, a rhino out there, or there's a lion. And, and, they're going, and, they're, and I say, where is it? They go, right there. And I go, I don't see it. They go, well, use your binoculars. I take my binoculars, and I still don't see it. Why? Because the binoculars are not focused. But once I focus them in the right direction, then I see what is there. So it's the same way in our life that once we focus, once we bring ourselves. The Apostle Paul said it this way. The Apostle Paul said, this one thing I do, he's focusing. He's bringing himself into focus. And when he does that, then there's some things that are produced in their life. Look, look in verse 11 and verse 12. It says, in Boaz answered and said to her, It has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you have left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and have come to a people whom you did not know. The Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. The first thing that focus brings is that focus brings respect. Have you, ever, have you ever been around people and you've heard someone say, man, if you knew where they came from, you would not believe what they've achieved? What does that mean? That means somebody maybe who grew up in the wrong part of the community or maybe who didn't have the best family life or whatever, but they have taken their life and they have brought it together and they have focused on something and everybody looks at them and says, man, look at what's happening in their life. See, focus brings respect in your life. If you want to be respected, then focus on the things that God has called you to, and then you will begin to receive. I mean, Boaz begins to, to talk to her about what he has seen. He is honoring her. Another word for respect is honor. He is honoring her because she has been willing to take care of her mother-in-law, to leave her family. All of these things have come about because of focus. So if you want respect, 
you know, if you don't want to be Rodney Dangerfield, who gets no respect, then you, you, you've just got to come to that place where you focus. Look in verse 14. Verse 14 says, Now Boaz said to her at mealtime, Come here and eat of the bread and dip, dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. The second thing that focus does is that focus brings provision. Focus brings provision. The, the Word of God says it this way. It says that whatever we set our hand to do, it shall prosper. Now that word is not just talking about you're going to have money in your, in your bank account. What that's meaning is, is that in every area of your life, God wants you to have full provision. What do you need? What do you need in your marriage? Well, you need to get along with one another, right? Why are you all afraid to answer that one? <laughs> afraid I'll be in trouble when I get home. Just answer the question. You need to get along, don't you? Thank you. All right? So God can provide that. But how does he provide that? He provides that when we focus on our family. Well, we want, we want our kids to do well in life and in school. And, well, how are we going to get that? Well, when we focus, is, is this too elementary for you? When we focus on our children, then our children will do well. There will be provision in the house for our children when we focus on what we should do. When a church focuses on ministering to people, loving people, touching them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, then God will bring provision in the house because the focus has been right. See, so focus, if you want provision in an area of your life, it very well could be that the reason that you are in lack is because you're not focused. See, now again, watch this. We all want God to show up like a fairy godmother and go ding and everything to be wonderful. We want the Cinderella moment. We want the pumpkin to turn into a carriage and the mice and the horses and, and to have the beautiful dress and the nice whatever. We, we want, and we just want it, ding, I am here, ding. And that's what we want. And yet God is not into magic. God's in the miracles. Magic is what is done to me and is usually an illusion. It's, it's an illusionary thing miracles come hand in hand. God says, if you will, then I will. That, that's how the miracle takes place. If you will, if you'll humble yourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. But how's that going to happen? It's going to happen when we do what we are supposed to do, when we focus on prayer, when we focus on humbling ourselves, when we focus on doing what God has called us to do, then God will do what only He can do. So if I want provision in my life, maybe, I, I, I don't want to mess with you too much, but maybe it's because you haven't focused the way you should, because if you get focused, then the Word of God says you'll get provision. As she focused on the smallest, as she focused on action, as she focused on that which she could change, the Word of God says, then God brought provision into her life. The final one is found in verse 20. It says, Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who has not forsaken his kindness to the living or to the dead. And Naomi said to her, This man is a relation of ours, one of our close relatives. Now, to us, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but let me explain it to you. In that day and age, 
when a husband would die, the word of the Lord was that a near kinsman redeemer was supposed to take care of that widow. And if they were not married, they actually were supposed to marry that widow. Well, it just so happens that when Ruth goes out to the field, the field that she goes to is a guy named Boaz, and he is a near kinsman redeemer for her family. And so what Naomi is saying to her is, hey, just hang on, because you have been put in the right place at the right time, and God is going to bring about something that's powerful. See, here's the third thing that focus brings. Focus brings our future. Her future. L listen, this is a Moabite woman. To us, that doesn't mean much. But she was, in, in the sense, and I, I want to be careful how I say this, but in the sense of the Jewish nation, for them to look at Moabite people, they, they would just say, oh, they're a bunch of trash. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't think about trying to, to help somebody like that. And yet what you find is this woman who is so a nobody winds up in the lineage of King David and even in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to tell you that's a pretty good future. But how did she get there? She got there because she focused on what needed to change in her life whatever it took she had that kind of mentality she said you know what I want my life to swap I want my life to change and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see it come to pass